Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, February 21st is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two. Let's do it. It is Friday, February 21st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, our good friend and political strategist Candace Castillo is back, and the Heartland Mamas make their return. Heidi Henry and Murray Breel. Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. I'm an honorary Heartland Mama, okay? (laughs) They gave me like an honorary badge, Candace Castillo. I'm an honorary Heartland Mama. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. You're a mama. I'm a mama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I heard AOC. Uh, this is I, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I heard AOC on The View. Did you hear this one where uh, she was going at it with Whoopi Goldberg? And uh, I think we may have been yesterday. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I just know I saw it this morning when I was lying in bed getting ready for the show and uh, by watching The View. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was challenging AOC, saying that, you know, you you put us down, my generation, meaning Whoopi Goldberg's generation, which just happens to be my generation, uh, you put us down, but w- you're standing on our shoulders. That's what she said. You know, we are the ones who did all hard work, and now you're standing on our shoulders, and you sh- show us a little more respect. And AOC came right back, her, and she said, uh, she goes, oh, I have truly nothing but bad respect for all of you, and I appreciate everything you've done. And she goes, Nancy Pelosi is my mama bear. That's what she said, my mama bear. You know, I would have to agree with AOC to a certain extent because you all were just talking about uh, this new documentary on Malcolm X, and today uh, was the day he was assassinated 50-plus 50 years ago, 65. 1965, February. So February 21st, today. Mm -hmm. But we talk about, oh, you should talk to your elders and see what the elders say and what they think. But at the same token, Malcolm X, nor Martin Luther King, made it to 40. Fred Hampton didn't see 21. Um, Huey P. Newton started a revolution at 21 years old. And everyone is saying, you should go talk to your elders. They sure as hell didn't. Or they did, and it was the elders that led them astray. It wasn't when Martin started saying to himself, "Uh, I don't think this is it, is when he did the Poor People's Campaign. 
it wasn't until Malcolm said, uh, Elijah Muhammad isn't everything I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and started doing his own thing is when he was at his greatest. So, yes, I'm under 40. And, yeah, I get younger people coming to talk to me all the time, which is weird. But <laughs> I always say sometimes the revolution lives with the young and not with the 45 plus. Yeah. So. Well, the the thing, I hear you. And, uh I'm I'm much more critical of my generation, the baby boomer generation, than I am of the millennials. Because I feel the baby boomers, they're pathetic. And uh, just as a collective group, I mean, just look at who they've elected and look at their worldview. And, you know, and I say this as a guy who loves baby boomer culture. I stopped, you know, the joke they always make about me, Candace says, I stopped listening to popular music after 1979. So I understand <laughs> I'm easy to make fun of in terms of that stuff, but when it comes to politics, baby boomer generation is a joke. But Bernie, who's pre-baby boomer, the reason he's so popular with millennials is that he's been consistent and straight on where he's at and where he's coming from, from the get-go. Are baby boomers, the elected baby boomers, a joke? Or did they get elected and became corruptible or became a joke? Because I think some of the boomers in Chicago that have been elected, what they were elected on 20, 30, 40 years ago in some cases, isn't what they stand for now. Once you get in office, it's easy for other influences to come in versus you got elected to fight for the people and then you learn how it worked. And then your second election, you fought for the people a little less. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, mm-hmm. ninth. That That's why new blood is necessary. And you're absolutely right about Bernie. And we can be right about people who are late to the party and recognize they were late to the party like Street Fighter Warren. Yes. Now, I, <laughs> I, I'm, okay. The, the, uh Let's get to uh, Elizabeth Warren, because I've had this argument with uh, many of my Bernie friends. I've got tons of them. Uh, and they'll say, Ben, she's a Republican. And, and I don't buy into that. In other words, Elizabeth Warren, when she uh, emerged from teenage years, she followed the, the path of her family. She was a Republican. And at some point, I think it was in the 90s, she officially came to the conclusion that this is a mistake. And I respect her for that. Uh, Candace, I respect her for saying, you know what, everything I've been thinking and what I've been led to believe, I've come to the conclusion I haven't lived life that <laughs> is wrong. Most of us just go, just like in the black community, we go to our family church. We also go to our family political party. And guess what? Unless we take the time to educate ourselves about what else is out there, most of us do what our mother and fathers do. How many of us have sat around a kitchen table, except for in the Latino community, that's a little different, and I'll tell you why, sat around a kitchen table and said, who you voting for? Who you voting for? Okay, why should I vote for them? Great, that's who I'll vote for. Mm -hmm. Latino community is a little different because the person that is probably at that table the most with that conversation is the youngest person at that table, stands the child, and it's been proven in polling. But... We go the way our parents go or our grandparents go. But Street Fighter Warren, I don't care. I don't 
don't care if you're a Bernie person. I don't care if you're a Buddha judge person. I don't care if you from the Yang gang and you looking for a home. The way she handled Michael Bloomberg on that stage from moment one <laughs> was amazing. Mm. She did not, every Warren supporter I knew was standing up in their chairs. And every Bernie supporter I knew in that moment was like, get him. I texted you right from the, I can't remember, like, yeah. And the other person I was texting with you is somebody that works for the Bernie campaign that was like, yes, get him. It was, it was amazing. The takedowns that she did, she cut this billionaire to a dollar happy meal. <laughs> yeah. And and his face showed it all. His face showed it all. And then when he tries to go after Bernie and say communism, even she was like, that's a low blow. Yeah. Well, Bernie said that's a low blow. Well, that's a low blow. She said it too under her breath oh, under with her breath. the hand okay, up yeah, because yeah. all of them had their hands up all night. It was amazing. Yeah. By the way, that's something I just got finished saying. Uh, the part of the delight I had, Michael Bloomberg just said, you know what, I'm, I, he decided late in the game, I'm going to get in a race. Uh, this Devil Patrick at the same time, roughly the same time, is getting mm-hmm. in a race. The big difference is that one man's worth $60 billion and the other guy's not. And so he's bought his way into the race with just pouring in the money. We're going to talk a little about this more with Heidi Henry. Uh, and uh, saturates the airwaves. Now he's number two, according to my beloved Bright One, in the state of Illinois, Candace, number two. Two. So, Duval Patrick, let me say that. Shout out uh, to a kid born in the 20th Ward, right? Mm-hmm. Duval Patrick got into the race late because his wife was battling cancer and they wanted to know how that was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. So, they took a chance of getting into the race late. And you know what? That makes sense. Bloomberg got into the race late because he was nervous about Warren or Bernie. That's why he got in, for no other reason. And now he's saying, let me buy my way in. Mm-hmm. I posted something on Facebook, and I truly meant it the other day, of I am being stalked by Michael Bloomberg. I turn on the radio. It's a Michael Bloomberg commercial. I turn on the TV. It's a Michael Bloomberg commercial. I get a text message. It's a message from a Michael Bloomberg person. I watch YouTube with my kid. The pre-roll is Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> that happened to me earlier. I was trying to play a Pritzker clip. Bloomberg. Exactly. <laughs> Bastard. Exactly. Look, I mean, I knew all the Pritzker stuff because of the pre-rolls. <laughs> or YouTube, too, which is why my kid, who is also a political strategist in his own right, <laughs> the Michael Jackson kid? Oh, yeah. He's a political strategist? Watching the debate, he came in my room and said, yeah, I'm going for the black guy. I said, he's he's out the race. He's like, okay, I'm going for the black lady. She's out the race. <laughs> We're stuck with white folks again. Well, no, wait a minute. That's correct. <laughs> we got Barack Obama. Don't no. <laughs> but you got to understand, he's not. Right. It's been Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Oh, God. Mm. 
We were trying to name all the presidents we knew last night. And he's like, you named Donald Trump? Hey, he's the president. I can't. He you is can't the president. leave him out. Yeah. So uh, anyway, you were on a, a, a roll there. But so Michael Bloomberg is stalking you. Michael Bloomberg is stalking me. And do, uh, uh, Officially. Officially. So <laughs> while he's stalking you, is there any part of the message that you're hearing that's winning you over that's saying, you know, I think I may want to vote for Michael Bloomberg. Hi, my name is Candace Castillo. I ran a couple of political races for Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, for State Rep Delia Ramirez, and I'm a board member of United Working Families. Hell no, no. <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> no, the only thing I want Michael Bloomberg to do is to get out the race and give money. That's it. People will, another Willie Wilson, the presidential white version of Willie Wilson. Explain this. All, Willie Wilson could do so much for Chicago if he stopped running and started giving money to the right candidates. The same thing with Bloomberg. Get out. Get out now. But Candace, I have to tell you, uh, for Outer Town uh, listeners, Willie Wilson is perennial mayoral candidate in the city of Chicago. I think he's run the last two elections. He's a Republican. I've had Willie on the show many times. Willie Wilson is a Republican. Fine. Republican. So is Mike Bloomberg. But my point is, is that I don't think he believes in the ideology. You say we should get out of the race and then support other candidates like a Jeanette Taylor. I don't believe Willie Wilson and Jeanette Taylor see eye to eye in anything. He supported Chewy after he lost. That is correct. I sit corrected. He, he supported Chewy. <laughs> yes, he, he did. I mean, in 2015, he did support Chewy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, sorry, Willie, I was right. Let's have those. We should have those conversations with them. Mike Bloomberg needs to get out the race before it really becomes exposed. It was him who was blocking the Central Park Five's lawsuit. Let's let's get that out there. Not just these NDAs, not just his racist, um, his racist agenda with cops in New York. Like that that it needed a dissent decree from the federal government to stop. Let's talk about him denying those five children that were falsely imprisoned. Let's let's have that discussion. And what is he gonna say? I'm sorry that turned out like that. No, no, absolutely not. And Donald Trump's chain hadn't been yanked enough about the Central Park Five. Bloomberg needs to do nothing except for maybe, I don't know, invest in reparations for black people with his billions of dollars. As, as close to $60 billion. Uh, nonetheless, Bloomberg's number two in this poll. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think it's a generational thing. I'm telling you right now, a lot of the older people that come through my this studio, their, their, their central message, they say it over and over again, is that they don't literally say it, Candace, but I'm gonna say, Candace, you gotta see how the world works. And the way the world works is, <laughs> just drop their phone, it's fun. I don't mean to laugh at you dropping your phone, but anyway, the way the world works is lefties like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren cannot get elected. You need a centrist and you need a centrist with money. Be quiet, swallow whatever you believe in, join the team, vote Bloomberg. Here's the thing, Bloomberg's commercials and the takedown of Trump, that is one thing. Whoever his media team is are amazing. Those takedowns of Trump have been great. But what Elizabeth Warren proved in this last debate is she could smack a billionaire. Period. 
that she could cut them down at the knees. And even Biden was getting into the act <laughs> on taking him down. Yeah. Biden was like, all you got to do with these non-disclosure, little Petey over here did it. You can do it too. <laughs> no, he said my good friend because he forgot Pete's name. <laughs> yeah, he said my good friend. My good friend. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was even like... I, and I want to say to all the Biden supporters out there, that was Biden's best, best debate, which is good. But that was Biden's best debate. And it was also Klobuchar's worst debate. Well, why do you say that? Not only did she get thrown off her square, which Pete Buttigieg definitely did. And he definitely saw her as his competition when Biden saw him as his competition. I mean, Biden saw wait. Buttigieg he, as his competition. Got it. Mm-hmm. And Buttigieg saw Klobuchar as his competition. It doesn't really seem, I don't know if Bernie and Warren have signed a, we're not going to fight each other pack again. They weren't going after each other. Mm. All of their fire was well. That's because or Bloomberg. All right, t- t- time out. I think Elizabeth Warren made a huge blunder in that other debate. I haven't had you once. Maybe I did. I can't remember anymore. When she made that blunder, we, we probably talked about this uh-huh. then, where she went after Bernie. She allowed uh, her representatives to put this this narrative out there that burnt about a private conversation that only two people heard. Uh, it was, I think the debate was in Texas. I don't, I can't remember where it was, but the, I remember uh, it was so blatantly obvious uh, that it was a focus groups derived theme where their, uh, their pollsters had come up with this notion that women are hesitant to support Bernie. So she was going to play that card. She looked bad. It backfired. Uh, and then the comment, the, the, the moderator didn't help anything. So if you recall, no, nothing and the non handshake at the end. Yes. But I don't know if you noticed this recently with Elizabeth, maybe in the past week and a half, it's been back to the, I got a plan for that, Elizabeth. As she said it. Now, you know, I am not in supporting either Elizabeth or Bernie at this point, because those <laughs> are the only two I would support. But come on, you got to have a third. Everybody comes on the show. I make them go. I started off by doing a top five because of the movie, but then I go, all right. It was people were moaning and groaning. They said, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had a five. Who was your top five? Now, I mean, my number one was always, you know, Marianne Williamson. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Candace is on fire today. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're going to get a hashtag uh, White Willie going. Uh, for, uh... <laughs> no, now I'm focused on vice pre- presidential candidates. What matchups make? the best matchups. So you're just ducking and dodging the top three questions. Okay, top three. Come on, you could do a third. Everybody's agreement on the third by now. No pressure. No pressure. You know, I'm going to tell you who your top three are. Okay. And she won't admit it because she's got so many friends in the Bernie camp, but I know Candace Castillo. Her number one is Elizabeth Warren. She loves Elizabeth Warren, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just be (laughs) honest. Her number two is Bernie, okay? She just, it's not that she doesn't like Bernie, but she loves Elizabeth Warren. And her number three is Joe Biden. Little Petey. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Little Little Petey. Petey. That's what she called him earlier. Joe Biden. There's your top three. Actually, no. Whoa. I got the number one, right? I got the number two, right? Who's the number three? Number, so you really don't have one or two, right? 
number one. <laughs> number three. <laughs> number three would be Amy Klobuchar. Whoa, after I am stunned. Yeah. Number three would I would pick Klobuchar over Biden. I would. I I yes, I would. Klobuchar, for whatever reason, she has that Midwestern sensibility. Now, the things that she did as state's attorney, I find problematic. I find Biden even more problematic. And something had me up on a tangent last night watching old YouTube videos from previous Mm. debates (laughs) and interviews with Biden. And honestly, I just don't think he has it all. I, I just don't. If anybody wants to talk about the health of anybody, and I don't want to put this on anybody because I hated it when they did it to Hillary. I don't think you're going to sound the same, but I just I just don't think it's all there. Well, I wanted to read this, this column today in the Sun-Times by uh, Mona Shirin. I don't know how she pronounces her name. Uh, she's right-winger. She's a conservative, but she hates Trump. And so she, I, I enjoy reading her because she's struggling. Like, who can she possibly vote for on the Democratic side? Because she's a right winger. She's a conservative. So she can't, st- Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are off. They're just too left wing. But so she had this line about Joe Biden. That was a pretty good one. Joe Biden's brain seems to have different ideas from his tongue about where his sentences should go. I thought that was a pretty good line, man. I mean, when he called the girl a horse face donkey or something, I'm like, what? <laughs> what 1872 reference was that? Uh, like, it just doesn't. I believe a lot of horses uh, have a donkey face. Donkeys have a it horse was face. Something it was like way that. worse. When he <laughs> called her that, it, I just don't think it's all there. I'm not saying that would be my first choice. And let me say this, and this will make a lot of people angry. I am going to vote for the nominee because I am a single issue voter. That's what Republicans have over us lefty people. My single issue is the courts, period. The courts cannot take another four years of Donald Trump. I don't think democracy could take another four years of Donald Trump, but especially not the courts. And especially, Lord, I pray for Ruth Bader Ginsburg almost as much as I pray for my own grandmother. Wow. Yeah, I'm with you 100 <laughs> percent. I agree with everything you say. Uh, I believe that Democrats should have a, uh, a vibrant uh primary and debate the issues and i love tuesday's debate they went at it and i just remind people like the 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 nervous nellies in the democratic party oh, they don't like it when they insult each other oh ben you know and i'm like you guys obviously missed the 2016 republican debates small hands yeah. we got into small hands yes. <laughs> on a debate stage yes, we did. small hands and i you will never hear me say i felt sorry for anybody in the bush family I felt sorry for Jeb for Jeb Bush because he literally looked around and was like, I am I still in seventh grade that that was a look on his face at most debates. Like what part of elementary school is this? Now, Candace, I was actually going to talk about this with the Heartland Mamas, but I'm going to I'm going to raise it with you. I talked about this at the outset last night. I watched a Trump rally, the Trump rally. I, just, I don't know why. I, I watched it. And uh, what, what it struck me just brought back the notion that the Democratic Party and the Republican Party uh, are on two different universes. There's a standard of behavior that Democrats have to honor that Republicans don't even have to pl- 
pretend they honor. It, I see it with when Donald Trump commutes the sentence of Rod Bogoyevich and all the Republicans in the state of Illinois swallow their tongues and go along with it. The Chicago Tribune editorial board denounces Bogoyevich, does not say one word about Trump. You don't even know that Trump was the one who commuted the sentence. That's just law and order. Meanwhile, they're pillaring Kim Fox because she made a phone call to Eddie Johnson. And so no, they, on the issue of law and order, double standard. And then on the issue of how you treat women, when we played the, the, the uh, this, I was holding this for the Heartland Mamas, but when Donald Trump was asked a question in the 2016 debate about the equivalent of what Elizabeth Warren did to Bloomberg, where they rattled off all the nasty things he said about women, he made a joke. He said, I was just talking about Rosie O'Donnell. The crowd goes nuts. It's over. It's not an issue. So how could you run? When, how could you beat a party when they have no standards? Democrats are trying to figure out how do we appeal to swing voters so we get to convince them? Shouldn't Donald Trump's behavior enough be uh, get some swing voter? So, a couple of things. Let's go back to Blaga. You want to know why I could care less about Blagojevich? Because Jason Van Dyke got less time than Rob Blagojevich. Period. Point blank. Simple. I think Blagojevich, Jason Van Dyke is a person that should have been in jail for at least 15 years. At, at, a, at 16, actually 16 shots, at least 16 years. But he wasn't. He's not going to be. He just got beat up in jail the other day. He's not going to be in jail for that long. I didn't know that. No, my point, I, I but, actually praise, I wanted Blago. I thought 14 years was too long. I'm I just, thought it was too long. So I didn't really, I don't. I don't care because it's not going to make a difference. He's a Trumpocrat now and yeah, he has gray hair. It looks much better on him. Who cares? I'll tell you who cares. The Democratic Party is going to care when Rob Bogoyevich starts going out extolling the virtues of Donald Trump. I hope the criminal goes to the Republican convention. I hope he has a prime spot as a convicted criminal. Trump should have all of his convicted friends at the Republican conventions with prime spots, and they should still talk about locking up Hillary Clinton because all of them been locked up. <laughs> That's correct. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what are you going to say? And the fact that that's a party with no standards I can't believe I'm going to say this, is not the American standard, period, period. So you have no standards on what should be. It points to the fact that that is not truly patriotic or truly American. Forget the rule of law. That, has, that is not what women, black people, brown people have fought for eons for America to be. So, patriot or not, and the Democratic Party needs to start playing to their base, black women. That's why I like that. I got a plan for that, Elizabeth, better, because honestly, that's where I first liked Elizabeth, when she talked about the amount of black women that die in childbirth. That's what caught my attention about Elizabeth. It was like, whoa, there's a person actually talking about that and the asthma rating black and brown children. That's what got my attention initially. So we can we can talk all of this. Oh, she's not left enough or Bernie is too left and he's scary. Bernie is talking about environmental issues in an inner city way. We have a president that doesn't believe in global warming because it snowed outside. 
<laughs> there is no comparison. Yeah. So I'm going to vote for the nominee. And, you know, you got to call people out. We are afraid as a party to to call BS when we hear it. Yeah. So you're I you watch the Trump rally. I am reading this book by Ed Gordon called Conversations in Black. Actually, Audible is reading it to me while I'm in the car. But some of the things that they are saying in that book, talking about, I never think thought I would agree with Michael Steele, the former uh, Republican chairman, yeah. about anything. These black people in America who are supporting Bloomberg, they talk about people staying woke, but you can still walk when you're asleep. And that's how I feel about black people, especially in Chicago, that are supporting Bloomberg. They're still asleep. They're not paying attention to what's really going on. They're sleepwalking to the polls. They're just saying, oh, well, he's a billionaire. Oh, well, he attacks Trump. Guess what? Elizabeth Warren just showed you she can take him down. No, I, there's and two of the most prominent uh, politicians in this black politicians in the city of Chicago have openly endorsed Michael Bloomberg. Who? Bobby Rush endorsed Michael Bloomberg. He's a sitting congressman. All right. You're, you're rolling your eyes. But who, he, who is now about to have his wages garnished? Uh, Bobby Rush, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then didn't Danny K. Davis endorse Michael Bloomberg? Uh, am I correct about that? Uh, I don't know. I don't think you're correct he? about that. No, I take it back. I'm pretty sure that Danny Davis is a Biden person. I think you're right. I sit corrected. Sorry, Danny K. Davis. But yep. most, <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden. But, but I'm sorry, most Danny. black people in Chicago are supporting Biden. And I promise you, dimes to donuts, you're going to see that change. But let me tell it you. It is changing. Oh, my God. There's no loyalty. But let me tell you Biden. what Michael Bloomberg is doing that we need to be aware of. When it comes to black and brown campaign staff, we are marginalized to an extent. There are no mid-range black and brown campaigns to have on a lot of these places. I know people who are going to the Bloomberg campaign at mid-level making $10,000 a month. Yeah. And that makes a difference. We will be talking about that in a little while with the Heartland Mamas. They are, we're all, uh, you stole the thunder from the next interview. Heidi's laughing. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but, I will uh, give you a thunder back. <laughs> uh, Candace Castillo is her name. She's on a roll. We got the Heartland Mamas on deck. We should bring them on. Uh, any closing thought? I'll see you on March 3rd. I'll see you on March 3rd. We should have fun. We'll have fun at the Promontory. Jeanette Taylor will be there. Candace Castillo will be there. Uh, who else is going to? Delmarie Cobb will be there. Uh, Maya Dumasovo will be there. I'll be there. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Candace Castillo for mayor. Let's no, go. Right. That was an awesome uh, man, you were performance. She looked at me like, you're insane, dude. That uh, is me being an elected official is the most horrible idea I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, Candace Castillo's partner, Crime, will be on this show on uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday. Will be Brandon Johnson will be breaking down uh, the results. Oh yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm, that guy. <laughs> uh, he loves Elizabeth Warren. Brandon's been sent all over South Carolina. He was telling me last night they got him on going from. Uh, uh, one place to another, uh, pitching for Elizabeth Warren. Hey, she did a great job in the debate. I got to show her some love. She did a great job in the debate. And we'll see what happened on Saturday. I think this debate will do for Elizabeth Warren what the debate before New Hampshire did for Klobuchar. And I expect uh, Elizabeth Warren to come in second. 
And I expect her to keep coming in second to Barney because Barney people are some of the most dedicated people I know. They are dedicated. I'm going to throw this out to you. I've been throwing this out. If it is a brokered convention, in my humble opinion, it could end up being uh, Elizabeth Warren and Castro. And let me just say this. Stay, um, mentor, love her to death. Stacey Davis Gates says she wants to see Barney and Warren. I do not. I disagree with SDG on that one, too. I do not. Mm -mm. I think that we need to have a black or brown person. But since she said it, I have been hearing it more and more. I think we should look at a Stacey Abrams or a Julian Castro or even some other people like Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor or State Rep Delia Ramirez. Oh. Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor debating Donald oh. Trump. Oh, would I pay to debating see that? Debating Mike Pence. Any of them. And that F-bomb flying, pushing a beep, JT20. JT comes on this show. We, You know, it's a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Uh, anyway, we got the Harlem Mamas on deck. We're going to bring them on. I love having Candace Castillo on. We're going to get her... I'm going to cut a deal with her at the break, bring her back uh, real soon. We'll be right back with the Heartland Mamas. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. Illinois is a state with a grand history of profound impact on our nation and our world. We've sent four transformative presidents to the White House. We were the first state to ratify two of the most important amendments to the U.S. Constitution. One abolishing slavery and another one granting women the right to vote. The first cell phone was invented here. So was the first television remote control and the first widely used internet browser. What all these things have in common. By the way, how bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see it? And the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? We got enough problems with South Korea with trade. On top of it, they give them the best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. Eroding beaches on Chicago's lakefront, warmer winters in the upper Midwest, microplastics in our water. What can any one person do? Our best hope for saving the planet and ourselves is through the power of we. Get to the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival, the Midwest's premier environmental film festival, March 6th through the 15th. 26 films. 26. 48 events. 48. Four counties. Four. What's that all add up to? Oh, my, my math's not what it used to be. It's all that waking and bacon. Anyway, <laughs> engage with filmmakers and experts. Venues include Tesla Gold Coast, Loyola University, Plant Chicago, Old St. Patrick's Church, Chicago Cultural Center, Lake Theater in Oak Park, and more. Go to OneEarthFilmFest.org. What is that again, D? OneEarthFilmFest.org. Where's Dan Biss when you need him? Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, because I can't add. All right, the Heartland Monks are here. Uh, Heidi, I got to tell you, uh, I already got in trouble. Dennis already chastised me because I said Heartland Mamas uh, come from the, the boonies. They're driving up the right sticks. now. The sticks. Yeah. And they were like, don't do it, man. Don't call it the boonies. <laughs> we, I, we love where we live, so I don't care. All right. Before we take the deep dive, uh, explain to folks why we call you the Heartland Mamas. Well, there's two reasons. One is we were really tired of the media telling us what the Heartland is all about. You know, it's not what they think. And we thought, let's go into those red areas. We know people in those red areas. We know Republicans in red areas. And it's not what people think. Oh, you mean and like when people say the boonies? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> boonies. Yes. We ran exactly in those it. red areas. <laughs> we did. So we know, and we know those that, that that's not what 
the heartland is about. Right. And then we were talking one day when the presidential candidates, all 79 of them started off, you know, a year <laughs> and a half ago. And I said, no, you know what? It's time for a mom. We need a mom because who's who keeps everything together? The mom who handles all of the family trips, the reunions, the holidays, the mom. She can take care of grandpa in the corner. She can take care of the kids and get them off their phone. She brings everyone together. And it's about time we have someone who can put a foot in somebody's tush when they need it mm-hmm. and be able to mother everyone back together. So we decided to call ourselves the Heartland Mamas. And you have your own podcast. We, we do. do. Mm-hmm. And, whoa, you did that in unison. <laughs> we do, do a that a lot. Yeah. Uh, Murray Brill and Heidi Henry, and you each ran in the last uh, election cycle. I always re- repeat this. Uh, Heidi ran for state uh, senator against Sue Resin in the 38th. Yes. Uh, and that is about as red as you can get. And you are a New Deal Democrat, and you did I pretty am. damn good, in my humble opinion. Yeah, well. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah, come $30, on. $30,000 and a lot of 10 pairs of shoes. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so that gets at the whole issue of what's are the Democrats too left for middle America? No, no. I think <laughs> the problem that we find is that the messaging doesn't come out to the red areas. People don't know. You know, uh, last weekend I was at um, a fight for democracy democracy festival in uh, in Morris, Illinois, which is where Sue Resin lives. And across the street from us was um, some type of Trump rally. The thing is, is that they assume that we're all socialist and horrible people, and we assume the same thing about them. Not that they're socialists. And Heidi and I have found that when you (laughs) That they're horrible people. But when you break down those barriers, when you stop using those hot button words, those buzzwords, when you just strip it down as simple as possible, we're a lot closer and more on the same side than you would imagine. All right, well, what are the issues that would drive Trump voters to vote blue? uh, It's healthcare. 100% 100% healthcare. There, you know, we. I live in farm country. It's the tariffs. It's the fact that uh, Trump closed all of our markets to Mexico and China, and our governor JB had to go out and get new uh, markets for us in in uh, Ty- uh, Taiwan or is it Thailand? Taiwan. Taiwan. Taiwan and um, the Dominican Republic. We shouldn't have to go create new markets. We had great markets. We just did a, a thing about uh, Joni Ernst, and we found out that because of Trump's tariffs, each hog they produce in Iowa now costs $12 more to produce because of the tariffs. It's not $12 more they get to pocket, it's $12 more that it costs them to create this, this piggy. And I may not be uh, a pig farmer, I've never had. <laughs> Never had pigs, but I totally she understand. Like pigs. I, well, I like to eat them. You know, I had some for lunch today, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but Would you uh, have a BLT or something. No, we had. She uh, had uh, pork fried, fried rice. rice. Oh, okay. yeah, so it was really good. I, I had was sushi. like, what was it that I ate? But I know there was piggy in it. But I know uh, agricultural economics. You know, my my son is a has a master's degree in agricultural economics. We talk about that stuff. It's kitchen table stuff at our house. Well, not anymore. He moved away. But um, the thing is, is that when you take away the markets and in Iowa, they lost their pork market, they lost their corn market, they lost their ethanol market because of the of the waivers. You have to appeal to people in their, their pocketbook, right? So it's health care and, and pocketbook book issues in the heartland. And, you know, here's here's what we've discovered is that the Democratic Party does a terrible job messaging west of Will County all the way to California. I would take it even a step farther and say that the entire way the Democratic Party operates is incorrect. Not just the messaging, but 
The Republican Party is top down. They follow in line. They goose step, as Heidi says, <laughs> right behind their leaders. Mm-hmm. We're larger. The tent, we encompass a lot more. Let's not do the bigger tent are, right now. But we are still <laughs> trying to operate under the pyramid model, top down. We're not actually looking at the people who are a part of the party and asking what's important to them, getting to know them. It all comes out of Washington, out of think tanks with polling groups. It doesn't come out of regular people who are the ones facing the consequences and who are the ones going out and voting. But we think it's okay, And you can see that even up to 2016. Yeah. Well, did you watch the? You watched. I presume you two junkies watched the debate. And there was a moment to this point. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the Elizabeth Warren and, and Bloomberg and Donald Trump, et cetera. But th- there was a moment to this point, which perhaps was Bloomberg's, what he would configure was his strongest moment. Uh, when they were talking about whether the label Democratic Socialist would hurt the party to have uh, Bernie at the top. And uh, they were talking about what a Democratic Socialist is. And Bloomberg said, this conversation alone will elect Donald Trump. I think that he he does have a point there. And that was the one point I would have given him. Because when I talk to people out at the Trump rally, because they'll always come over and try to engage us and they'll they'll say the same things. The thing is, is they don't understand what a democratic socialist is. They they kind of loosely understand what a socialist is. But when you try to to change the, the conversation to social programs, to education, to plowed roads, to, you know. Take social out of it. And just talk about the issue. So when you when you encounter someone like this, it's very simple. All you do is bring the issue. So how have have the tariffs affected you at all? Are you seeing well, where prices go up in the meat? I know I am. And they're like, well, yeah, it's getting a lot more expensive. But if the, if the conversation is labels and the labels are applied to Bernie Sanders is absolutely that is, you know, the, the person who's running for uh, the congressional seat against Adam Kinzinger up by me, D- Danny Brzezowski is a democratic socialist and she had when i was running for office to to my detriment a discussion on democratic socialism in the heart of bright red trump country and i'm like i you know i've got enough battles to battle uphill this is not the conversation for to have during my race but you know it was my race not hers so but and and i understand what she was trying to do is she's trying to educate people and let them know that this isn't bad this is you know, talking about taking our tax dollars and putting them towards why can't people we, and programs instead of corporate America. Why can't we just rebrand it as FDR Democrats? Take that socialist out and party. Well, DNC, start listening. Heidi okay. Henry ran as a New Deal Democrat. Exactly. And I remember when I met Heidi, it blew my mind because it's <laughs> like, I forget where we were when I met. If some, uh, uh, Morris, uh, Illinois. Morris, I, I was not going to say boonies, okay, because I get in trouble. <laughs> but we were out Club. somewhere. Eagles yeah, Club. Eagles yeah. Club. Anyway, she did New Deal Democrat. I almost fell in my chair. Uh, I don't know if New Deal Democrat, I, I, I hear you branding. They're going to call, they're calling Bernie a communist. Of course. Democrats no. play into that. Chris Matthews plays uh, into that. They, they, Chris Matthews is a warped, frustrated old boil. Correct. <laughs> I cannot stand that man. He should have gone away a long time ago. Thank you. Well done. Awesome. Then mock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I just don't get me started on Chris Matthews. I'm really trying to uh, <laughs> stay cool. But just to think that, just one more time, that 
that that voice is on the liberal, you know. Well, I, wow. and, and oh, the, and look at what's his name. Oh, for the life of me, come on, he's about to get booted out for Nicole Wallace, Chuck Todd. Yeah, oh, he's that another one. Worst uh, <laughs> haircut in all of political uh, news. This is me Stand going. Up. Oh my God, I have to listen to Chuck Todd yeah. moderate again. I, you know, he is so heinous that I, I won't watch Meet the Press. I won't watch anything <laughs> that he's on because I can't stand him. Well, so. my, my my attitude. Uh, and I don't know if I'm right at all. I, He'll be great on Fox, by the way. Uh, yeah. Who? Uh, Chuck Chris, Todd, because oh, I'm sure that's Chris Matthews. Oh, I don't um, even know who he is. Chris Matthews? I don't uh, watch. You, I don't, don't want to know. Or you don't want to know. Well, all right, you. let's forget I even mentioned him. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, my notion is has uh, has been that these old concepts of communism and trying to scare uh, voters into voting Republican which have been so successful in the past, going back to like the 40s, yeah. uh, are not as effective anymore in the age of Trump. Trump's broken so many uh, standards. Yes. Although I would say it's still effective. And perhaps when you and Candace were talking, you were talking about the uneven playing field, right? Mm -hmm. How we are held to a higher standard yes. and how we conduct ourselves. And that's why Bloomberg is so popular because he's swinging and we all want to fight back. Yeah. Politics is visceral. So if we can take and turn that into fascists, teach people what a fascist is, what a dictator is, and start calling the Republican Party that will, we, if we wanted to, we could chin up that fear and well, they, move you in know, that direction. We could do the same thing they do. To that point, the anti-Trumpers came over to our fight for democracy rally and called us Antifa. And I thought, well, shouldn't we all be anti-fascist? You know? yeah. I'm not sure you even know what that means, you know? So I, the labels are, are tough. And Bernie carries a, a pretty divisive one, you he know? Does. And the thing is, is it's divisive for all the wrong reasons. You know, if, if the people who uh, are afraid of that branding, and I'm not talking about Democrats, I'm talking about Republicans who don't understand what that means. If they understood what it meant and were open to it, you know, which is the, the close mindedness of a Trump supporter, they would be like, yeah, of course I want that. Of course I do. And, you know, that's a problem. And that's a big reason we started our program, because we wanted to change the conversation, because we did a, a, a show on how many hours of uh conservative radio uh, of broadcasting are done each each day, and it's about 3,500 hours. Mm. There is about 300 hours of progressive or democratic. Um, they control so much more of the media and they day. control so much more of the message. And I know we talk about the, you know, radio seems to seem irrelevant and people may it not, isn't. but it isn't so much. So the, people listen to radio, 90% of people listen to radio for at least 10 minutes a day. Right. I, so when, it's very powerful. And when yeah. all you have, we've mentioned this before on the show, when all you have is Joe, who's been put up by the Republican Party to do a show about real estate and can input some ideas in there, and it's constantly being reinforced, what happens? Well, in the, and then you have the uh, religious religious channels that come in that, that enforce the stereotypes of, of different ethnicities, that enforce the stereotypes of women, that enforce the stereotypes of, of child labor, and so on. And... We have to remember that this is a big hill that we're climbing up against since we got rid of the, uh, what was it, the Fairness, Fairness Doctrine, Doctrine. that um, this just opened this floodgate that we can have entities, and you're naming people from MSNBC that don't understand the concepts and can't deliver the information clearly. And I want to say that when I was driving home and I was listening to the debate coming home from taking care of my dad, and I'm listening 
to it on my Bluetooth and it quit on me. It was not on any radio station. I went through every single. You're right. I was in the same situation. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So, and I'm thinking to myself, we were in some really rural areas of Iowa where you might get radio, but you're not going to get Iowa, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Kentucky, everywhere you go. If you drive anywhere, if you drive away from a radio tower or from a a cell tower, you're not going to get Wi-Fi. You might get radio, but you're going to get a 50,000 watt or larger station, right? You're not going to be able to get always get serious or something like that. So you're dependent on whatever they broadcast. Well, there are some areas that we found in the country that have a complete blackout of any liberal media period we've been to places where it's not even on the television dial there's there's fox and there might be c-span but there's nothing else you know you don't get even cnn or msnbc you just get the local guys you are you're uh singing to the choir right this i mean i was on liberal radio i got fired for being too liberal on liberal radio (laughs) liberals are insane they say they want to beat trump (laughs) and then they pull their punches it's I'm with you 100%. Well, they, punch, they punch themselves in the yes. face. It's like, it's ridiculous that we have to go through all these hoops to just say we need common human decency to prevail here. And if we can't get to common human decency, what the hell are we as the Democratic Party? What are we? I'm reading a book right now called The uh, Moral what, uh, Sugar I don't cuff. remember. <laughs> sure, I so. get this buildup and I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> I know. The, Been the, there, done that. The Righteous, the righteous Mind okay. is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's an older book, but basically he's a... Uh, it's only 2013. It's not that old. <laughs> well, but so. this is before Trump was in office, so True. it may have some a different, world. different yeah. relevancies. True. But the whole premise is he's a moral psychologist and he's tried to blend various philosophies and psychologies to figure out why people are driven. And it's all about uh, religion and politics in a divided world. Mm -hmm. And so what he talks about is it's all visceral. It is all emotional. There is no way to rationalize. So they do these little they do these very simple thought experiments with people, things like um, you know, very non, there's no victim in it, it's a taboo that's broken, but there's no crime, no anything. And you watch people begin to rationalize as they progress, like having relations with a chicken is one example, Uh, but it's dead. He buys it at the store, does that, and then cooks it. Okay. And you watch as people say, <laughs> "Wow, <laughs> those with a more liberal mind yeah. don't want to make a judgment." And then they, if oh, it's I'm morally, it. I'm judging it all over the place. <laughs> but, but his point is that he, you, they argue it and without they don't actually. Go for their their arguments are not logical or rational. Mm-hmm. So they they're trying to find why it's wrong, but they can't explain why it's wrong. It's just something inside, and that's how he says we get to bridging the divide uh-huh. is viscerally and emotionally and we far too often lose that which is why i think bernie and elizabeth appeal to such a large portion amy comes off a little stiff joe is whatever you know they're all but they're very factual and that's why bloomberg is getting a big push because he's passionate he's hostile he's bringing that fight and appealing to people on a visceral level. i actually have to say i'm going to disagree with you on that point uh, the last point about Bloomberg. Bloomberg's where he is because he has unlimited amount of money mm-hmm. to launch an around-the-clock campaign. Absolutely, yes. And many Democrats have substituted 
that ability uh, with electability. Mm -hmm. And they're working from the assumption that this is what it takes. It worked with Pritzker, so we with completely overlooking all the differences. And there's, I could write a thesis on all the differences between Bloomberg and Pritzker in terms of their background, in terms yes. of their worldview, in terms of where they fit in the Democratic Party, and in how they've approached the election. Pritzker actually worked to he build did. a base. He, for two years yeah. prior, he yeah. worked and worked hard. He worked really hard. And, you know, he didn't do it just through TV commercials. He was out there. He was out there by us in Marseille, Illinois. He was Illinois. shaking hands and pressing flash. All and the that's time. something that uh, and Ken, he didn't, Kennedy didn't do. Oh, Kennedy. No. We never saw him no. again. Bloomberg <laughs> marched in the um, uh, Sue Garza's Labor Day parade on the southeast side Bloomberg of Bloomberg did? I'm not Bloomberg. I meant Pritzker. Pritzker was. Yeah. yeah. Pritzker <laughs> marched. I remember seeing him sweating like a horse. Remember that day? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he worked. He worked at it. Bloomberg just mm-hmm. drops in. You know, well, all right, now Got I'm going to. And I'm, we saw what happens when he got his butt handed. All right, now let's stage. deal with that. Let's deal with that. D, you got the, the Trump. This is how Trump handled, I've been promoting this one all day, getting ready for your response. 2016, Trump's famous response to a question similar to the one uh, that Bloomer kind of deal with. Take it away, Dee. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account- Only Rosie O'Donnell. No, it wasn't. There you go. Uh, Megan Kelly can, uh, asking the question. He gets a, a one-liner about Rosie Donald. The crowd cheers. It's over. It's not an issue he has to deal with. There are no standards when it comes to Republicans toward their attitude toward women. They can be misogynist as they want, and they'll still get the support of the Republican Party down the line. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I remember that that night and the look on Megyn Kelly's face because you could read you could read her eyes how much she loathed him at that moment because we know famously that Megyn Kelly has also been through that. Any woman who has been uh, lived as a sexual um, Me Too moment, Me Too moment, yeah, who's been assaulted or discriminated harassed, against or harassed, marginalized. Um, we felt that in a, at a visceral level. And maybe there are some immature people that were in that audience and some people who also buy into the marginalization. Um, you know, when it happened to me when I was 25, I really felt like it was my fault. Maybe it was how I dressed. Maybe it was how I walked through the warehouse that uh, that provoked the attack. I don't know. But, um, you know, I ended up losing my job for reporting sexual harassment. I lost my job for being pregnant. Yeah, so I had to hurry up and find a new one because I was pregnant at the time before I started showing And pregnancy was a pre-existing condition before the ACA, so it wasn't covered. I didn't change insurance. Oh, and now, did you see the reps reps in what state are worried about their tax-free, that women, uh, they they have a tax-free weekend, and they want to take tampons and sanitary napkins out of the tax-free bracket. Because we might stock up. Because we might stock up. I kid you not. We might stock up. I just, Sorry, it's I like, like we always wish we had stocked up back in those days, but you know, we didn't. But you know, no, no exaggeration because women would abuse getting I, tampons. I presume there's a Republican. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Again, what I said, done. no standards no. in the Republican Party. But, so but go so, finish so, your thought. So, what I was going, 
doing with that is that, you know, I could see how Megyn Kelly was feeling, but she had to go with it because this was the guy that was running. This was the standard bearer for the Republican Party. And in a way, because of her job, kind of sort of her boss or her superior. So you have to acquiesce to that because you want to have a job. And Megyn Kelly, of course, doesn't, does she have a job right now? I don't think so. She's not in the public eye anymore, it, you know. But with Elizabeth Warren, and I told Marie, I said, you know, she's standing next to, to Bloomberg. And I came home and rewatched it because I had heard most of it through my Bluetooth. But I wanted to see her body language. And when we show horses and we're mad, we do something called a full body flip off where we stand up really straight and we just, you know, I'm here and I'm going to, you know, I'm winning. You know, Heidi's a horse trainer. Folks. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you do the full body flip off and I could just see her. She was just seething. And I thought here she's got to stand next to a man that would marginalize her in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat because he could, because he can, because he can buy and sell her. Right. Yeah. And that's how women end up being treated in the workplace. And then to Bloomberg's detriment, he had to stand next to a honey badger and a nice cardigan and she <laughs> took him out. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> honey badger in a nice cardigan. But, <laughs> but for all of us that have been through that, yeah. I mean, I'm in my car cheering. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Every woman that has to hit, had to sign an NDA in order to get another job because that's why we have to sign them because we're not going to work again until we do. We might get a little bit of money, but we're going to have to sign that NDA just to get a damn job, just to pay our damn bills. Yeah. And that happens to women exponentially more than it happens to men. So every woman out there that had to go through that was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so because I felt it on a visceral level, yeah. I felt it. And 25 year old me was was, you know, doing wheelies in my car. <laughs> so uh, I agree with everything you just got. That was a great riff uh, that you just went on, Heidi. Uh, so what I lead to is this. I don't believe that uh, I was just started by saying I don't believe there's any way in the world that I would vote for Mike Bloomberg in the Democratic primary. I think of all the people on that stage, he's probably the last guy I would vote for. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, Tulsi I Gabbard might be right in there, well, but she, she wasn't, wasn't on the stage. stage. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 but I'm with uh, uh, Candace. I'm voting for, if he's a nominee, I'm voting for him. Right. All right. So right. that's kind of it. In that boat. How, what can, in your, in your opinion, Michael Bloomberg say, I mean, obviously, the Donald Trump model, where you make fun of the question, you mock Democrats women even will more. Not tolerate You're that. not going to tolerate because mm -mm. Democrat Party has some standards. She was talking about the black women who've been through it more than white women. By far, the numbers, the the data shows you're us that. You talk about Candace, yeah. Can, well, Candace, yeah, yeah. But but black women oh, are about, more oh, likely to be sexually okay. harassed. Or so, assaulted. what could Michael Bloomberg possibly say yeah. to address that issue? Because he's got a debate coming Wait, up on Tuesday. I, I endorse Elizabeth Warren, and, and I'm here's writing a check her a check for two billion dollars. <laughs> That's, That's that, he could that's what he could do. We're on the same page. With I that know. One. You got it, girl. Did you guys plan that? No. no. <laughs> you know, people on the live stream chat are raving about you guys. We love it when you're here. You guys are awesome, authentic. You're real. Uh, we posted your uh, podcast, your latest episode, on the live stream and on our Facebook page. Oh, you guys had you. Joni Ernst on your show. No, we just went after Joni Ernst. Yeah, She's we part just of our attacked host. Joni Ernst. Oh, well, that's a different thing. Are you kidding? We told I can't you said Joni, Joni Ernst. Ernst coming on. No, it we, said Joni Ernst. I figured oh, she must be a guest. Yeah. No, have, huh? We have a series called Ousting Eight, which is the eight most vulnerable senators. Because are, it doesn't matter if we win the White House or not. If the if we, we do not flip seats. the Senate, just like Candace was talking about justice reform, 
it's not going to happen. Nope. And we, when we've done our deep dives on things, we look back and all the protections, the fairness doctrine as it slowly was eroded away, those all happened under conservative yep. courts. Every decision, every, and the, these layers are pulled back ridiculously. All of our money, you know, we think Citizens United was the reason that dark money is there. It didn't happen in There were like six other Supreme Court decisions that allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's all under, under conservative courts. So the courts are by and far what the are they most conserving? important thing. What are they conserving, Murray? We've been, we've Not my of, sanity. No. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody tells me, well, I'm a conservative, I'm like, please tell me what that means because yeah. I don't know what you're conserving except corporate America. Money for the wealthy. I mean, because you're not conserving anything. So in other words, by the way, that was a great line. The the best thing way to respond is to say, I'm dropping out of the race and supporting Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't think that's gonna be your response. <laughs> but Although, that's the only way it would work. If he's smart, because the next time I don't know what she's gonna hand him, but he's <laughs> <laughs> he's got to deal with it somehow or other. And How can he? How can he? Is I, don't an I, really I don't know. That's why I asked you the question. No, I, I just, I have to throw this out here. I, I know there's a million conspiracies and things. I know he's arrogant and confident and feel, but something about this just doesn't quite fit why he are ever you, got in the race. Are you getting into the Heidi theory of... I'm, I'm thinking about the Heidi theory. What's the Heidi theory? I've not thinking. heard this. <laughs> well, I had, I had a theory early on that the reason we had so many candidates is to confuse Trump so he doesn't know who to concentrate on. No, I knew she was so, wrong there. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. So then he was focusing, zeroes in on Biden because that's his guy. Yeah. I don't think Joe Biden ever intended to win. So Joe Biden I made Joe a Biden lot of, a lot of gaffes. Wait. Wait, this but theory. It, it, it distracted, Get the bong out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really, we might need it. So. But it distracted Trump to the point of impeaching himself. And then they thought, well, he's you know he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to drop low in the polls and then drop out. So Clinton had to come out and she had to throw slings and arrows at Sanders for a while to get people talking about that. And Trump is confused then. And then he gets exonerated. And then in hops Bloomberg and he's like, he just hates Donald Trump on a level we can't understand because on a billionaire level. That may be the only reason that he got in was just because of his sheer absolute despite Hatred. of Trump. Yeah, he hates Trump. So now you've done a great job. You've pulled, you know, gotten people going. fired up. You've yeah. gotten riled. Now go away. Well, I think he's got a little <laughs> more time to, to keep roiling. In, but I, I, I think. I wonder she, that her theory on Bloomberg may okay, is out. plausible. Okay, Tim, I'm. I'm my the- I don't know if we should spend any more time on this, but I, I'm still not clear what exactly the my Heidi theory, Henry theory, my theory is. is that is that the, it's all to confuse Donald Trump. So in other words, Michael Bloomberg. So the other candidates are safe. I think now, and I, I am a yeah, she, you're right. Yeah, yeah, right. And Heidi so. doesn't even smoke pot. <laughs> no, <laughs> no tincture, nothing for me. So. I thought I saw her out by the rocks with <laughs> me one time in the seventies. No way, well, maybe in the seventies, but. <laughs> Not, no, way I, <laughs> no. Uh, I thought I saw a young woman like Heidi Henry out in the rocks. We were smoking. Maybe anyway, in the seventies. Right, <laughs> um, well, I listen, but what you just said is so true. And I think about it. My, it, it Michael Bloomberg seems as though he, it, it um, really bothers him that Donald Trump is the president. Right. Yes. That, and that even though that he, Michael Bloomberg, Do you think he really view, wants to be president? Who? Trump or Bloomberg? Bloomberg. Oh, yeah. Well, That's more power. Ego. More power and more ego. And no, more. he just wants to topple his... His, yeah, that's what he, he doesn't enemy. actually want to do the job of president. He just wants, wants to, to win. You know what? He just wants, he wants to, to beat top Trump. Him. He wants I, to destroy him. I got to tell you that so many people have told me down uh, for the last four years that Donald Trump did not want 
to be president. No, he just likes being a bully. Uh, and but he sure seems to be enjoying the job right now. Well, we're paying for all his golfing trips. We were paying to get it. We're making his, his family fabulously is, wealthy. His company is making a ton of money when he charges Secret Service to stay at properties eight hundred dollars. Eight hundred dollars a night, which well, is four times over yeah. the amount. Those. So I was going to use your uh, appearance on this show to give advice to Michael Bloomberg, but apparently the only advice you have to offer Michael Bloomberg is to get out of get the out. race and endorse get Elizabeth out. Warren. Well, because Mm-mm. because when you look at him, keep those centrists going your way, and then right before drop out, endorse her. Bing, convention not brokered. She wins. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> See, Murray's Damn, thought it all the way part. through to the end. <laughs> you know, he, um, he, you know, when, and I told you, I, somebody referred somebody to me to, to work for him. And uh, is a, is a relatively uh, modest income person. I really did think about it. Um, the money was nice. The, the perks were nice. Right, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Before you go further. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about this for real? I will talk about it for real. All right. Uh, this is the big moment that I've been waiting for. Drum roll, please. <laughs> uh, yesterday when I was talking to Heidi, we were talking about what we were going to talk about on the show. And she, can I say it? Yeah, All right. Then, then you, I want you to do your riff. Okay. Um, so Heidi Henry, as I said, uh, she uh, is... Uh, she ran for state senator uh, in uh, 2018, so she's got a name that she's known in uh, parts of the state where the Democrats are not particularly strong. Right. And she got an outreach from um, the Bloomberg campaign. Yes. Take it away, Heidi Henry. So I get a call, and my dad's in hospice up in Wheaton, and I'm in my car or with him all the time, so I get a call asking if I would be interested in working on the campaign. And I, you know, it's like, and I, I said to her, "Isn't that the stop and frisk guy?" You know, so I'm mean, like, "This was about oh, two months ago." That's what we're campaigning yeah. on. <laughs> so it was, stop and frisk. Well, and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, maybe I have the ago. wrong guy because why would that guy write, run as a Democrat, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, she's like, "Well, you know, he's made amends for that," and I thought, "I don't think so. I think that was going on." you know, by 2013, it was still going on. So um, I said, you know, I'm really busy right now. Call me back. So she, you know, I went home and I read his, his webpage, which was really good. All of his, all, you know, I read everybody's platform. So I read all of his platform and I thought, yeah, but you know, so then I Googled his name. I'm like, holy cow, I don't think I can work for this guy. Well, then they called back and to say what, what it paid. Uh, you know, it was like 6k a month all the way through the end of November, whether he won through the primary or not. That's the one thing that surprises me is that he's keeping the offices open all the way through November, that's why even if he doesn't intends, win. That's why I don't think he wants to win. That's why I don't think he's planning on winning. So, so, but it was, you know, I carry a tiny little phone because I keep it in my pocket because I'm a farmer, but it was like an iPhone 11 and an iPad. And I said, you know, I can't put that many kind of miles on my car doing the 16th and 17th congressional districts. Oh, we'll get you, you know, We'll get Jelly's car to, to drive around. I'm like, well, that would be nice. So, <laughs> so six grand a month. Yeah. And a leased car. Guaranteed and a laptop. through November. Yeah. And a laptop. And, well, you have to make your numbers. And an iPad. So you got to find. And an iPod. No, well, a pad. Uh, iPhone 11. Yeah. So it was very specific. And, and we had three phone calls. So the fourth phone call I knew was coming. And all I kept thinking is me walking into let's say little sale county democrats and say i'm there to represent michael bloomberg people would stand up and go 
you are lying. So you is, lie. You know, because as Heidi's everything. telling me about this, I'm like, you know, you're going to have to go to a different state to do it. Because well, no one would believe that well, you're for Bloomberg. That's what I told her, like, on the second or third phone call. I'm like, you know, I'd have to leave the state to do that. Well, would you relocate? No, I have a farm. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I've been on one serious. vacation in 15 years, you know. So, no, I don't, I don't go anywhere. So, you know, uh, finally they called back the fourth time they called and I said, look, I'm going to stop because it's not worth selling my soul to mm-hmm. to do this you know Ford. i can't it would have been approximately seventy thousand dollars, right and and i i think i told you my husband is is handicapped we are not having the retirement we thought we'd have and seventy thousand dollars would would help us have a little <laughs> i would fun. like i would like to say that uh, i am not sure he's hiring the brightest and the best because you've met them. I have met some <laughs> in met the area. <laughs> and, uh, I think a lot of Heidi Henry's have turned them down. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, I don't think I'm the only one. In fact, because I told you the person who the <laughs> person who called me initially was somebody who I know is a, a Bernie Crat. I mean, a hardcore Bernie Crat from Evanston that called me and said, "Look, I'm going to be doing this. I know that you could use, you know." I said, "I, I don't know that you know how hard I work." I said, "I don't have time to take on Wait, another time job." Wait, The person who called you the, was a Bernie Crat. Well, yeah. It, all right. Well, can I get the pronoun right? A he. Okay. He. Is it he. Oh, so, I didn't mean to say that. Well, that's all right. It doesn't matter. Nobody <laughs> can figure it out. There's a lot of Bernie Crats in Evanston. Just by saying he, I just wanted yeah. to get the right pronoun. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, you got to, is this, he now work, this bureaucrat yes. is working yes. for Bloomberg. Yeah, but not in this state any longer, the, in a different state now. Uh, probably, oh, he's in the, like, what does they call it, a hidden identity thing? You I know? can't. You Witness, know, like, protection? Witness protection? Witness <laughs> protection. The bros will turn on him. <laughs> right, he will be drawn and quartered. Hey, we don't call him He's bros not in the Nevada, <laughs> he's not in Nevada, no. so they're, and he's not in the union, so the, the Bernie friends aren't going to go after him. He should be safe. Well, he was. <laughs> what an exaggeration! I, I, I just got to say, the crying—that—that that was the part of the the debate that I had me rolling my eyes. I stay away from uh, social media because I just think it's a cesspool. Yeah. But to, to pick on Bernie people as like the well, only people out there being complete and total jerks on the social media. Hang on. Do we even know that it was really Bernie people? No, we do not right. know. Because, because we know about the Russian interference to divide Hillary we and Bernie people. We know about Bernie the Republican people. disinformation programs. We yes. know that social media, they buy up. There are chunks of time where large old uh, Twitter accounts are purchased. They build followings over six to nine months, particularly uh, religious targeted target groups that are very unlike what you would think the Republicans would have, like an LGBTQ group, Mm. a Muslim group. And they push these ideas and it's a it's it's a bot. It's it's horrible. So anyway, back to your Bernie story. I mean, your Bloomberg story. So you ultimately said no. I stopped him. I stopped her because it was a woman that that was doing the other interviewing and I stopped her. She I knew that the job offer was coming. I I knew exactly what it was. And I said, you know what? I I want you to take my name out of contention. I said, I said, you know, maybe 20 years ago, I think about it. I said, but I can't wrap my head around supporting somebody who threw over, a, I think it's over a million young men that, that were stopped and frisked, wasn't it? Mm. Like a million four. I said, I can't imagine what it did, not only to them, but to their children, if they had children, to their mothers. Mm. I think that's what hurt me the most, is thinking about what their mothers must have felt like when your your young your young son is going to the store and maybe he's got some pot in his pocket or maybe he's got a 38 special, but he's not doing any crimes. He's going to the store. They throw him up against the wall. He ends up in prison. It's heartbreaking. And I, 
you know, yeah, I shouldn't have had it, right? But God, I just think of all the families that that tore apart. All, yeah. And the thing is, it's the residual, because if they had children, those children then grew up without fathers in their yeah. in their lives. Or when their fathers came no. back, they weren't able they to weren't, get jobs. Well, and... they weren't able to get jobs. They weren't able to, you know, they were different. Yeah. You know, I know I know what World War II did to destroy my dad. And he's 90, almost 98, and it still haunts him. I can't imagine going to prison. No, it's you know? the, yeah, it's a really difficult thing for any Democrat uh, I can't, to deal I with that. And, I and, and so there are these two huge issues that uh, Michael Bloomberg has to address. If he, He's not running in the Republican primary. These might help him in a Republican primary, right. but he's running in the Democratic primary, has to deal with him. Oh, he can't just Republicans stand on stage. Would see, look at him. Oh, he stopped crime. No, he didn't. He destroyed the lives of young men. He destroyed the lives of young men of color. That's horrible. That's a that you know more than the NDAs. That was the that was. I I just kept thinking about that because I I tried to spend some time just thinking about how I would couch that. I thought you cannot you cannot explain that away. You cannot justify it. You cannot make it right. And he only stopped because the Obama administration got after him. And every time he runs those commercials with Obama in it, oh. Yeah. You know, I know Obama was an, a centrist Democrat, but oh, for God's sake, he's got to be just, you know. Well, <laughs> so. Obama has done that with so many people. All right, let's we'll hold off that okay. Obama thing because I, yeah, I could just feel. <laughs> there I go on my Obama I thing. <laughs> uh, we really are out of time. I know. Just tell folks where they can find your name of your podcast, how they can find it, all that good stuff. Well, it's the Heartland Mamas, M-A-M-A-S dot com. You can find us on Demcast, which is Democratic Broadcasting. We love Demcast. And uh, anywhere you get your social media or podcasts, if it's you, just at Heartland Mamas, M-A-M-A-S dot com. You can also find us if you're if we're camera ready. You can watch us on, on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> I have some really funny facial expressions, yeah. and when I get like animated, it's hilarious. I look at myself and go, "What the hell are you doing?" She also does voices, and it's it's like she'll we, say, we, we "Do some of your voices." Oh, oh I can do many. Yeah, I can't. Oh, no, no. Now see, it, see, it just comes yeah. out naturally. <laughs> so you gotta be like. Ben is speechless. Stop, stop. I love voices. Oh, I know. I keep telling I've her. done them before when I'm talking. I, she, but she'll Maybe, could you become do impersonations? different characters. Not, not do you have a Donald Trump imitation? No, but my 11-year-old has the best Donald Trump impersonation. Is he it a is here? awesome. Oh, we'll bring him in next do, time. Do, he is so sign good. A, sign us off like a chipmunk. How about that? Yeah, sign us off. Like, <laughs> and before you do that, though, and make sure that you can you can find their uh, uh, the latest episode of their show. Not uh, with Joni Ernst. But no. Well, it said featuring Joni Ernst on there. So, you know, uh, I was like, what, oh, was she on there? She's, and she ties in with the dark money that we did oh an episode God. on. And how, Unqualified so. Super PACs and Joni Listen Ernst. Listen to him. Jab Joni Ernst. It's on our Facebook page. At Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Please Thank go check it out. Me. Oh, you're... Great friends of the show. Hell yeah. I'm oh, glad we met you in Morris. Uh, all right. Before uh, Sign out by doing your chipmunk imitation. Yeah, do the chipmunk and, uh, and do the thing about the bigger, bigger tent. Why shouldn't we have a bigger tent, Murray? Come on. I, 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 uh, I've never seen her shy. I'm like, you know, Dennis is always making me do it. He makes me sing. I know. <laughs> Let him hear well, Ken I, Davis. When I get animated and angry... Yeah, that's, that's how she is when we're recording. And I'll look at her and I'm like, How does a chipmunk sound? I don't know, but apparently I sound like an angry chipmunk when I get upset. <laughs> I have this voice that tends to go a little bit higher and it gets a little bit louder. And then all of a sudden you think you're talking to Alvin. Oh my and God, it does sound like Alvin. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
It's not my fault, it's and I look like a small woodland creature. That doesn't help either. <laughs> we, have, we actually have our chair set because we sit next to each other. Hers is set way way higher because otherwise my head looks like it's too big. That, uh, that was the chipmunk, Alvin. That's a, did so. it. All right, I want to thank Marie Brio, Heidi Henry, uh, Candace Castillo, Ramana Hussein. Great show. We were just one great person after another. But you know, I think we all agree none of this would work without the man, Dana. the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Heidi Henry could tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody. That will forever be my nickname. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Vinny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast seriously check out the heartland mama's podcast these two are awesome dear friends of the ben jarofsky show go check it out on our facebook page find them online subscribe all that good stuff and if you download the show remember we live stream the ben jarofsky show tuesdays through fridays one until 3 p.m central time at both sun times and reader websites and the chicago sun times youtube channel join us join the live stream chat we'll see you tuesday oh Benny J bonus interviews. Don't forget those as well. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. That's correct. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.